0: what is up everybody welcome back to taking care of Grizzness, the memphis grizzlies podcast on the fans first sports network wherever you get your podcast i'm your host parker fleming it's been a minute obviously you know with summer league i i didn't want to just react after every game or every couple game because so many stuff different stuff can change so why not just wait till it all settles down it all materializes so we have about as As much information as possible that we can uncover and unpack and really digest Summer League, what can translate, what transpired, whole nine yards. And I got somebody with me who was actually there in Las Vegas watching the Memphis Grizzlies hoop. He is a writer over at Bluff City Media, Brandon Wakoji. Brandon, how's it going, man? what's good parker
1: it is going great thank you so much for having me i'm a huge fan of the show huge fan of everything that you do for the memphis grizzlies um you know look up to you um you're a very inspiring writer and creator um so it's a, it's an honor to be here man
0: i highly appreciate it you're killing it over at bluff city media with the uh, the grizzly bear blues grizzly merger of sorts but you're you're doing great stuff over there covering the memphis Thanks, grizzlies man. as one of their featured writers and. I want to ask you because, you know, I've been I've been trying to make my way out there for for Las Vegas Summer League. But, you know, I just it just hasn't really lined up quite yet. I've already kind of set in stone. Not I can't set in stone yet because I haven't booked anything, but I'm like, I'm going next year. I'm 100 percent going next year. So I want to I want to hear how the experience was from you, man. Uh, Getting to go out to Vegas Summer League, getting to watch the Grizzlies. And really, I mean, it's really like the NBA yeah. Lollapalooza. So how was that?
1: <laughs> Dude, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said NBA Lollapalooza, because that, that, that's what summer league, is. it's just like, it's like the, like, imagine your annual, just like grand convention, you know, that happens every year. I think that, that's summer league, you know, I think it's really a way for fans and like the NBA community, um, you know, those those really die hard hoop heads who are just starved for basketball in the summer. That's really, really brings them together. Um, I think, it, I think it's a really just amazing experience that connects this community. And it's even more special because you get to see that next generation of players. Like I, um, like you don't really know, like I, I watched Hunter Tyson, you know, just absolutely murder everybody in, in, in Las Vegas. And in, I think it's just so great to watch that next generation of players who, um, you know, you may not know, you may not like pick up um, at a moment in time. And that includes the Memphis Grizzlies. i um, just really getting to see that next generation was just really awesome, really special. And of course you see um, just all of the NBA, that's media and players. So just a really special experience all around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously this year had a different aura to it. It was different synergy yeah. with, to win Binyama, but also you got a you got a game between Scoot Henderson and Amon Thompson and you have yeah. Brandon Miller as well and Asar Thompson and like you and then you still and what's wild too is you still had guys like Jabari Smith Jr. and Chet Holmgren yeah. who we haven't even seen <laughs> since last year we, we got to see them hoops so I feel like this year kind of had like a different special sauce to it especially with yeah. the caliber of players that were going to be there but also too. The guys that pop off the page and kind of surprise you, whether that's like a Hunter Tyson or Keontae George and Yeah. Um, it was wild to also watch. Uh one thing that I did not notice or have not really noticed as much, but that kind of caught my eye in summer league is like Lester Keones from Memphis Tigers going on this oh, yeah. uh with the Santa Cruz. He's been with the Santa Cruz Warriors and was on the Golden State Warriors Summer League team and he's just really become a very crafty on-ball dude. stuff that he wasn't showing at his days at U of M. So, I mean, it's wild. I mean, it's fun. Obviously, you got to take a little bit with a grain of salt. Uh, Grizzlies fans firsthand have an experience of that with Wayne Seldon and Josh Selby and Russ Smith. And, oh, man. Uh, Pargo. Yeah, we, we, we know that, hey, not all this is going to translate, but yeah. – what can translate, and that's what really this show is going to be about. But Brandon, I want to, yeah, I want to get your opinion because I mean, you were covering uh, the Vegas action for the with the Memphis Grizzlies yeah. and Bluff City Media, and I want to know what your biggest takeaway from the Memphis Grizzlies this summer league was.
1: I think the first one that really just stuck out to everyone who followed this team during the summer league is that. Kenneth Lofton Jr. is ready for NBA rotation minutes, period. Uh, and most every single game of summer league, he was the best player on the floor. He was the offensive hub. He was the guy that everything kind of ran through for the Grizzlies. And I think you just saw a different level of dominance that you saw from, from Kenneth Lofton Jr., who already, don't get me wrong, is already a dominant player in and of his own just coming off that uh, first team all G League uh all rookie first team and G League rookie MVP, but I think we just saw a different player in Kenneth Lofton Jr. Um, the way that he moved to the basket, the way that he shot well, um, and so during summer league he shot 47 percent from three. Like he, he just looks so much like a completely different player because his skill set has been honed, it's been defined, and um, I believe he's ready to take that ultimate step to the next level. Um, that that's really just the key takeaway that I was just 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 kind of stuck out to me from day one and then i have a follow-up to that which is in a similar vein jake laravia is also ready for rotation minutes he looks um just like much more aggressive player offensively making those quick decisions um just taking on an edge on both ends of the both ends Mm. of the floor had a great defensive series during summer league too so those two players on the grizzlies just really stuck out to me as players who are really ready to take that next step
0: into the grizzlies rotation yeah, and I like let's just go ahead and jump right into the the junior part. I mean, it wasn't my biggest takeaway. I can get into that in a minute. But one of the points that I told you I wanted to talk about on this show, and originally, you know, when I thought I was going to do multiple pods this week, I was going to make yours junior specific because you know you were okay. one that was really analyzing Junior Lofton's performance at Summer League. You were also there firsthand, so I'm like, okay, he he gets to add something. He'll add a different view. And Some of us who may have just watched on TV, but I mean, I noticed, like you said, a different Kenneth Walton Jr. Because I mean, last year, like I didn't full on jump into the entire craze that he needed to be playing immediately. Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, he's 19, 20 years old on a team trying to go to the playoffs, win a championship, just let him let him cook in the G League, let him have a red shirt year and see what happens there. I think Brandon yeah. Clark's injury changes a lot of the dynamics for Kenneth Alton Jr.'s. I mean, if we're being completely honest, the Grizzlies front court is loaded with guys that are very, very deserving of minutes. Obviously, he's not going to touch Jaron Jackson Jr.'s and Steven Adams' minutes. I don't think he should touch Santi Aldama's minutes because of what Santi provides on the perimeter. But I mean, mm-hmm. I think if you're really looking at it, it's like, okay, this is gonna be Kenneth Walton Jr. versus Xavier Tillman. And it's like, okay, are you gonna prioritize what Junior does as an offensive player and his ability to score in bunches? Or are you gonna value X, who had shown that he can defend very various defenders or various different types of offensive players? And do it at quite an elite level, like, you know, protecting the rim, defending the post. He's defending Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, um, Joel Embiid. He can defend all these different kind of players. He can switch in space. And yeah. that was always Junior's weakness, but also, too, Xavier Tillman's weakness. He doesn't shoot threes. Junior Lofton shot like 44% from three, showed a lot of confidence, showed a quick trigger, Some of these, I was like, dude, this is just unconscious. Like, he's just – that ball's touching his hands. He's letting it fly. But when you're gauging the Grizzlies in their need and their desire to improve their half-court offense, you look at a guy like Kenneth Alton Jr. So now it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, do we sit a guy in Xavier Tillman who was arguably our most consistent player in the Mm postseason last season who did all this – brilliant work and Steven Adams' absence, or do we see what Kenneth Walton Jr. has? It's going to make for an exciting battle, but that's kind of where I stand on Jr. and the rotation. It's just stout. Is there anything mm-hmm. that you think he has to do to kind of overtake Xavier Tillman and earn some minutes to start the season in the rotation?
1: I think for Jr., the first thing is going to be him proving that offensively the Grizzlies just can't afford to keep him off the floor you know if he keeps this same level of efficient shooting uh, like you mentioned 47 percent from three during summer league 51 percent from the field if he proves that offensively that he can't that you can't afford just to take this offensive engine that junior is off the floor I think that's his I think primary path to rotation minutes, uh, just given that Xavier Tillman, right. He he is a very efficient finisher, but um, he's not as much of, a, of an offensive threat as junior is, you know, so X isn't known for being a shooter. X isn't really known for really, you know, kind of making plays outside, outside of the paint. And, and if junior couldn't really prove that he can continue being this dominant force, I think that'll be, I think that'll be a di- different kind of look for that rotation um like you mentioned the defense still really needs work um he while he did have i would say in some he had an improvement in many areas i thought he defended the pick and roll um a lot better than he did as as a rookie i thought just in terms of like his communication his leadership he was more active on the floor i think if he continues to build on that as well he can also find himself a spot in the rotation but like you mentioned it's a really hard choice overall um, and that's that. That's why I kind of think it'll be matchup dependent. When you talk about. Tillman and Junior. You think about the opponent, and that's when you kind of have to think about okay, which of these players is going to be better for the Grizzlies to roll out. So again, smaller teams, that's where you'd really kind of want to use Junior's bully ball and his post skills to take advantage of those mismatches. But if you have a taller team like the Lakers or the Sixers, or just like taller, bigger teams, okay, that's when you'd veer towards Tillman and his abilities to defend in space very well and switch off very well. So I think Ultimately, between them, it, it'll be really matchup-dependent. But for Junior, we can continue those offensive strides that he showed in Summer League. Um, he'll find himself a spot in the rotation.
0: Right. That's a really – the whole matchup-dependent stuff, it's I, – I don't think I've seen Taylor Jenkins deploy this manner of, like, instead of a set-ten rotation where it kind of varies each night off matchups. I mean, mm. he does it with his minutes, but I haven't seen him do it with actual spots. But I could it could be almost be like it's almost like the relief pitcher kind of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you're if you're playing a team with a dominant right handed pitcher in the lineup for a couple innings, then or at least within the next two innings, you might want to put in your right-hand one, your pitcher, and so your left-hand one. I'm, I'm trying to base this off, like, MLB the show. My baseball knowledge is, <laughs> not, is very, very casual at this point. So I'm just going to go ahead and stop there. But, yeah, it could just be matchup dependent. I mean, he, he has improved on the pick-and-roll. I think one thing that was evident with it was his stock activity. He averaged two steals a game, not a lot of blocks. I think he is somebody who is going to be uh, the most Jaron-dependent player on the team because – yeah, I don't absolutely. I don't think Santi can mask his defensive woes. And then I think mm-hmm. having Adams and Lawson on the floor together won't do well either because it puts Lawson on the perimeter and um him yeah. and X, like that's that's a tiny front court as well. He's gonna need every time Kenneth Lawson Jr. is on the floor, he needs to be on the floor with Jaron Jackson Jr. But if he could do what he did in summer league, which is just it's. I was going back in his steals and his the clips from his steals, and this sounds so simple, but if he could just continue to be at the right place at the right time and be active, because that was a lot of what his steals were, where yeah. he was able to just kind of get into the middle of the muck and poke it away to where one of his teammates can get it, and then there goes transition offense. Or somebody's driving, he's just getting his hands in on the ball, disrupting the drive, they're bobbling it, and there goes a the steal. So if he could just continue to just stay active, and not get too spread out, maintain solid, solid positioning within the space. Cause I mean, obviously the NBA is an entirely different game this summer really because of the caliber of players there are. But I mean, if he wants it to translate, just kind of keeps just needs to keep doing what he has been doing and just stay active and have your hands ready. And cause I mean, if he can survive, all right, that, that sounds a little dry. That sounds a little dramatic. If he can hold down the fort and make sure no floodgates open with his defense for five Mm -hmm. to six minutes at a time, his offense might be too good to keep him off the floor for 12 minutes a night. Yeah. I mean... Based based off the fact that he can only really play with Jaron, unless you're not really playing... Jaren and Adams lineups is like if you're saying, Hey, yeah, you're only going to start halves with Jaren and Stevo, or we might close games and with Jaren Stevo, depending on the matchup, who's who's riding the hot hand, all that. I, I like, that's why I say, like, Hey, 12 minutes, because I mean, you're already playing Jaren, you already want Jaren to play minutes with Adams, you want him to play minutes with Santi, and that doesn't include any sort of small lineup that you may see. With three guards and in like Jake Laravia, maybe. So that's kind of okay. why I say it in those pinches at least. Okay. Kind of an aside, but I I do,
1: I do kind of like this idea of smaller lineups with Junior. Like say you have like a Bain and a Smart and a Kennard and then a Roddy and then you know, Junior just kind of being that small little five. Of course, like not for like a long period of time, but random aside, but I I do kind of like that. Um, I I kind of like lineups where you go small ball, make junior that just kind of, um, um, you know, de facto five inside, having control the post, having the whole post with playmakers and shooters around him. I think that big offensively, um, that there's a lot to be
0: tapped there. Yeah, there's a lot to be tapped with junior. Um, I definitely think it's, it's all going to lead to very compelling training camp and preseason battles, which leads into my next or not my biggest takeaway from summer league is I think the win competition is going to be incredibly fun in training camp and preseason, and it can lead to a solid leap. And by a solid leap, I mean one of these guys could go from, like, fringe rotation player to playoff rotation player, kind of like a similar leap where, like, Santi took the – a huge leap from fringe NBA guy to probably a playoff rotation guy. And I I think, you know, you brought it up already with Jake LaRavia. I do think Jake needs to shoot the ball a little bit better from three instead of, I mean, he only shot 32, 33% from three in in summer league, but also two. And I know uh, I've I've seen the, the clip, uh, Gone around of uh, a Memphis Grizzlies Twitter podcast uh, comparing him to Dylan Brooks because of his shooting efficiency. <laughs> like, there's totally, uh, there's shout out Ed, but yeah, the there's <laughs> totally different context, Miss. Because, like, here's the thing: Jake Laravia's second or third in the pecking order in a summer in the summer league behind. Kenneth Alton Jr., and maybe alongside David Roddy, so he's more of like a 2A, 2B. Yeah. The, the amount of shots you're going to take and the variety of shots, I mean, Jake was shooting a lot of shots off the dribble, running a lot mm-hmm. of handoffs, a lot off screens. A lot of s- stuff was designed for him, whereas on the main roster, he's going to be a standstill shooter, and that's where he's going to thrive. He's going to thrive off the gravity that guys like Desmond Bain, John Morant, Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr., even when teams are closing out on Luke Kennard, there's that one extra swing over there to Jake. He's going to thrive more off of being a standstill shooter. But you already alluded to this too. It was the edge that he played with, the aggressiveness, putting the ball on the floor, Mm -hmm. getting his hands in defensively and creating defensive events, running out in transition amidst defensive stops as well. Like He just looks like an entirely different player from a confidence standpoint than we saw last year. And given his size and his shooting stroke, it is what he can provide aside from shooting the basketball. Granted, like I said, he needs to shoot the basketball better because shooting will be the swing skill for any of these wings to win rotation minutes. I think yeah. Jake LaRavia has positioned himself the best. And I say the best because, you know, Zaire Williams still dealing with some knee tendonitis and he's doing a lot of work. Um, to strengthen his body to prepare for next season and finally get over the knee in and I was, Like I think Jake has the edge right now, but I don't want to discredit what David Roddy showed as a playmaker. Again, he needs to shoot better from three. I think he shot in the mid twenties from three Vince Williams jr. I don't want to discount him for minutes. Cause I mean, shot the belt ball. Well, he has great. He, I know he's only six, four, six, five, but he has a seven foot wingspan. He's tenacious on defense gets on the glass. Yeah. He has a lot of like melting elements to his game. I mean, when it comes when it comes down to it, Vince Williams is somebody who could force Taylor Jenkins hand and say, all right, well, yeah, let's play Vince. Let's see what he's got. And it's just going to yeah. lead to a I lot mean, the Grizzlies- of Grizzlies. Great competition.
1: Dude, I mean, the Grizzlies did lose those two summer league games that Vince was out for, for injury. I mean, he was, you you could see during summer league, he was clearly a pivotal kind of glue guy, essential piece for the team. And he mentioned it in his post-game pressers himself, like he prides himself on being that hustle guy, being that, that guy to just make those plays on both ends, be that spark on the team. And you saw that, you saw that in summer league when Vince Williams played on the floor, he just ignited the team put that energy on the team i want to shout out my guy isaac who said like you know vince williams jr is just that player who puts the battery in his back and brings out that burst of energy that teams need kind of like um when i think about like the main roster you know like when they put in Conchar, just kind of bring in the give you that like burst Conchar like clark you know give you that burst of energy and yeah like you said i wouldn't discount him in this kind of wing battle we have brewing on the grizzlies like the um, think of like that, like the Mad Max, like Thunderdome. It's going to be, right. you know, four players enter, only one player lead. Yeah, you know, you, it's just I, I don't know if like Zach Kleinman and like the coaching staff kind of envisioned it to happen this way, but you know, clearly what's. what we're anticipating is that in training camp, it's just going to be whoever shows the most is going to get it. And um, I think think that's a great thing in many ways. I think the spirit of competition is going to push guys to really um, prove themselves and be the best version of themselves. And I feel like a lot of that, like you said, Jake during summer league, I think really took a lot of that to heart, just playing with more aggression and confidence, because you can see um, he clearly wants to show that he's taken that next step. As as a player and but yes, a three point shooting is going to be a swing factor, Um, just kind of given those numbers that he showed in summer league and, you know, you could tell he was working on a lot more, uh, like you mentioned, just ways to shoot be a being a movement shooter, uh, working off those screens creating a little bit and, you know, um, but I think I think it's going to be whoever um, can really shoot the best and, you know, Roddy last season got a lot of those minutes. Especially you think about those two Mavericks games because his shooting, his shooting was at an all time high. He, he was shooting around like, um, like 40s, 30s at that time. But I think it's just going to be a matter of which of these wings shows you the most and shows you that they can be ready for um, more rotation minutes on this team. And I, I, I just, I, I don't really personally know who has the edge right now. You know, a lot of people want to say Jake because of the great summer league, but, you know, Roddy had an excellent game that last game too. And it, you know, he didn't have a great summer league overall, but, you know, I've never been one to kind of use the summer league to kind of make snap judgments about everything just because, you know, it's, it's, it's a really different period, Uh, especially for the Grizzlies. It's more of a development period for them. And so guys are doing things they normally wouldn't do in NBA games and it'll look different going into the rotation, but I guess in summation, we have a training camp battle brewing among us, and you know, the best the best guy is gonna get it. And I think that's that's really the best move to make for this team. It's gonna push guys to really um be the best version of themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do gotta ask because I think it's lingering the fact that there is a starting spot that's open. Yeah. And the Grizzlies could just make this incredibly easy and just start Luke Kennard. But it also makes more sense to have Luke off the bench because, yeah. I mean, otherwise your bench just I – mean, they stagger, so it doesn't matter. But your bench is a lot weaker without Luke Cunard. Yeah. So everyone's been posing the question, like, which of these young wings could start? Can we kind of see, like, what we saw last year with Santi Aldama where, you know, last year there was – you know they there was the whole idea of like oh well you don't really play BC and Stevo together so and Clark does better off the bench so let's keep him off the bench but you have Santi Aldama, Jake Laravia, David Roddy, these young forwards that could slot into the starting lineup I mean who who could and then you they use that opportunity to build confidence and route to a strong season and um I, did, I just think that it seems evident, possible, that we see a, one of these young guys end up an opening night starter. Is that where you lean? Mm-hmm. Starting one of these, I would say three i I'll say three to four. I'm not going to discount. I know he gets a lot of flack on Twitter, but I'm not going to discount John Conchar because of what he can provide, especially if he gets a shooting back to what it was before his mm-hmm. uh, concussion injury last year. But between guys like Zaire Williams, Jake, Laravia, David Roddy, are you leaning with wanting to start one of those guys and have Luke come off the bench? Or should you just make it easy, play your best five guys, start Luke Kennard?
1: Uh I, I totally lean with you should bring Luke Kennard off the bench because the shooting, because of the shooting and how the valuable shooting would be. Um, You can certainly run Bain-Kennard lineups. I know they certainly will, but yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, that bench, having Luke Kennard as an offensive spark will boost that bench. And so I I don't think you could really kind of afford to do that. And I don't think you could afford to start him just because your bench would be a little bit weaker, wouldn't have that like instant offense that Luke Kennard provides. So I definitely lean towards starting one of them. And, you know, if we're, if we're going off, just kind of like who has the most, I'd say, okay, recent in-game reps and like has shown you the most in those minutes as of like recently in an NBA context, it'd be David Roddy, right? Zaire did his rookie year, of course, and in the playoffs, but, you know, David Arati, um, he also has the playmaking and he has the athleticism that, you know, is still, that still could be harnessed even further. But I I think you would lean in that case towards Roddy because he's shown you most recently that he can function in an NBA context using his size and um, his athleticism. But yeah, I mean, I, I ultimately do think that's the direction in which they will lean um, simply because Lou Kennard is just too valuable to not bring off the bench, especially when you consider Tyus Jones and that absence and losing him as someone who, you know, was a, for so many seasons was that guy you could lean on to off the bench. If you start Luke Kennard, you really won't have someone um, who has proven that they can be like a consistent offensive option off the bench. So yeah, I think it'll be one of the wings and um, who, who that is. I am. I, I just, I couldn't tell you today. Like he, like I, we could be on this pod all day talking about that, but um, I, I just can't really say a name for who that person is going to be right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially since, you know, I mean, still got a whole training camp, but still got preseason, and you, there's still one more player to look at, but Zaire Williams. But one other player yeah. I'll ask about on the wing, uh, kind of as a closer here, is Gigi Jackson. You know, it's uh, yeah. I would say it was kind of like a roller coaster experience for Gigi, but like it wasn't, like it's fine. Like I think the flashes yeah. that he showed was incredibly tantalizing. The thing for me that I loved more than anything. It was like, like, not only was like the, the, yo, like these on ball flashes are crazy. That like, these are so good. It's a fact of him showing that he can be a complimentary scorer and impact the game without being on the ball. And that was mainly yeah. through being a catch and shoot three point shooter, crashing the glass for rebounds. He showed some potential defensively, but, it, again, he has to work on the consistency element, but also he's 18 years old. And yeah. I do think one thing that was real like, I, I think the Utah Summer League, we may have gotten ahead of ourselves and been like, oh, wait, this guy may be ready now. Like, he showed that it's like, okay, yeah. just let him, like, let him develop in the G League. Let him get this redshirt year and just let him kind of flush out any of these habits that he built at South Carolina. I like his potential a lot. Um, what, what do you, what did you make out of the Gigi Jackson summer league experience?
1: Yeah, for, for Gigi Jackson, I, I took, I took this away. I think, I think as it stands, just in terms of like pure talent, knowing he was the number one player in a high school draft class and what he showed you, I think he has the most potential and upside of all wing prospects on the roster. Um, of course, like you know, this could change, but just based off the of flashes that I saw, like you said, his ability to create offense and impact the game without the ball in his hands. And you consider just the Grizzlies' half court struggles, I think his upside and his upside and potential in that regard is just through the roof. But yeah, like you said, we have to remember this guy is younger than Bronny James, who was about to play at USC. Like he was he reclassified, that's why he. Uh, played at South Carolina last season and so like this this guy is he, he's incredibly he's 18 years old like he's he is 18 years old still finding and refining and developing his game actively even at the NBA level and so there's no rush I mean there's no reason to rush that there's no reason to put him in any kind of situation where um, you, you have to like question, do the Grizzlies want to win or do they want to develop someone because they have three now three two spots on the roster. You, could, you can give Gigi that development year that he kind of never had at South Carolina because you know that roster was kind of um, in, in, in all sorts of bunches and you know Gigi had to kind of be that main offensive option and um, do a lot more things that were out of his like comfort zone and element level he can have that true development year that he should have had in college with the hustle and just really refine his game further and play at the NBA level, play against the NBA level competition. And in my opinion, have a similar season to Junior. You know, like Junior came in uh, from Louisiana Tech and you, you you saw the talent. You saw the potential that was there. The NBA work just needed refining. And so you can right. take that similar development bridge with Gigi. And I think if the Grizzlies do that, uh, what you what Gigi can provide to this team, that potential is
0: just sky high. Absolutely. I'm with you there, man. And we are I, – I, before we close, I just got to say, but Gigi Jackson, yeah, his upside is to the roof. He might have the highest upside of any of these Grizzlies wings, but that doesn't mean he should play immediately. Um, I do think that he has a lot of different he has a incredible role versatility potential going forward. He could be a rim roller, big wing, kind of like how the Warriors are wanting to make Jonathan Kaminga just a guy who could yeah. just be a terror in the short roll and either pull up for the mid range or he can get all the way to the rim and just explode to the rim. He could be he can harness his skill and his size as and his athleticism as a defender, he can hit, catch, and shoot threes. I can I, I said this when they drafted him. I can see him doing what Ruby Hachimura did to the Grizzlies in that playoff series last year. I can see him making oh, yeah. that kind of impact. So oh, but yes. at the same time, he's so young. Just let him cook. Just let him cook in the G let, League. Let him cook. Man. Let him cook. Yeah. But uh, Brandon, it's about all the time we have on the show, is there anything you want to close with uh, before we uh, sign off here? Oh
1: yeah i I think just I think just in summation, um, it's really important to you know have perspective. You know, the Grizzlies wanted to use summer league to develop, and there's still so much time for these guys. I'm um, really find their find their roles, and for the Grizzlies to define their roster. So I don't think it's anything worth worrying about. I think I think the best guy is going to come out. And play, and they still have so much other talent in the fold. So, some really actually made me excited about the future of the wing position for the Grizzlies, just because you kind of saw those guys taking the leap, and um, it's something it's something nice to see. So, I think just keeping perspective is really important as the Grizzlies kind of move into this next phase of the team.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Brandon. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, Make sure y'all find all his work over at. Bluffcitymedia.co. Um a lot of great work over there from him. You can also follow me on Twitter at Paka. Well, hold on, hold on. We gotta you can follow him on Twitter as well at Brandon Wokiji N W O K E J I. And you can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, whatever you gotta do for the Taking Care of Grizzness podcast. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever. Amazon as well. Wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, we'll see you soon. Awesome.